Hello again, and welcome to another episode of A Thousand and One by One, where we take a film out of the wonderful book, A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die, discuss it, analyze it, and ultimately decide whether or not it should be in the book. I'm Adam St. John. And I am Ian Woodington. And before we launch into today's episode, we'll give you our weekly recommendations. Ian, what do you got? So this isn't a movie that's new to me. I saw this in theaters, and I've seen it several times since. But I was just flicking through my uh, my voodoo library, because I've been building something of my own streaming service, I guess, with sure. getting my own digital library going. Yeah. Uh, shame. Now, not the shame that's in the book, not the uh, Ingrid Bergman film from the 60s. I'm talking about Steve McQueen's film yeah. from 2011 mm-hmm. with Michael Fassbender. I see that look on your face. I don't know what that look means, but I'm going to keep going anyway. Uh, Shame, with Michael Fassbender, is one of the greatest performances for me of the last 10 years. I know at the time that it came out, people were comparing it to Brando in Last Tango in Paris, which I find to be extremely unfair. I would That's totally unfair. Yeah, because Michael Fassbender is actually acting, not just mumbling his way through incoherent nonsense. And really trying to get at the heart of what it means to have an addiction and to feel, as the name implies, shame about that addiction. And there's all kinds of wonderful subtext in that film. So if you haven't seen it, Michael Fassbender is a fairly successful businessman, Mm -hmm. but he has a huge monkey on his back, and that is a sexual addiction, one that he is, I would say, on the verge of being out of control with. And And it's it's not just having sex. It's watching porn. It's masturbating. I mean, it it encompasses pretty much every waking moment of his life. Absolutely. And uh, what happens is, uh, beginning of the film, there is quite a eye-opening shot of him. He goes completely nude. It's full frontal shot. And while that's happening, there's a uh, voicemail that comes through from his sister badgering him. Carrie Mulligan, by the way. Yeah, who is extraordinary in this film. She is. I mean, this is Michael Fassbender's film, no doubt. But she, what she does to counteract him is incredible uh so she uh he ignores the voicemail and she ends up just showing up one day uh and interrupting his life completely and so he begins this with her coming in back into his life he begins this massive downward spiral and it ends in a the film ends in a very very big way yes um and definitely no spoilers because it it is worth your viewing oh good because I, I saw that look on your face when I started talking, and I thought, oh, God, he's going to talk about shame. No, what I, I saw on your face. I am withholding because you brought it up, yeah. but it is a fantastic movie. I, 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 what, I, what I love about the subtext in that film is you get the feeling that there is, there's a very twisted relationship between the two of them. Now, I don't want to jump immediately to incest. I mean, they hint here and there. There's a scene where she gets into bed with him, and he very violently kicks her out of bed. It explores some dark issues. It, it really does. You get the feeling that maybe there was a family member who had abused one or both of them. Maybe one of them knew about it and didn't say anything. That certainly could be a, a theory there. Maybe he saw her abused and didn't do anything about it, and that's part of the shame that he carries with him, Sure, as the name implies. But the final 20 minutes of that film is utterly breathtaking. I mean, I swear to God, I don't breathe it's the last hard, 20 it's, minutes of that yeah. film. And it's I, it's one of those hard to watch, hard to look away from yeah. scenes. I was spellbound. I mean, and I I saw it in theaters, and it took every screed of energy within me not to just sit there and watch it again because I, I, I 
awestruck by what I had seen, and I needed to see it again as soon as possible. The one factoid about that movie that I, I really enjoy is there's a moment where Carrie Car- Mulligan sings... The New York, New York. At, yeah, at a bar, and they never rehearsed that. Oh, they didn't? I didn't know that. And so Fassbender didn't exactly know what it was going to be. Oh, he had no idea what the song was going to be, nothing like that. And and his reaction is totally genuine. Oh, I love that. And it's... Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. That just enriches that even more for me. Yeah, it's 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 a hard but worthwhile movie to watch. And I don't think... I, you can say that about everything that Steve McQueen has done. Yeah, I have not seen Hunger. Oh. And I want to. And that's uh, trust me, it's on my, my radar. I just haven't seen it yet. The next Criterion sale, just buy it blindly. The next Criterion sale, just buy it. Okay. Because I did. After seeing Shame, I was like, well, I just, I have to have, I have to have everything this guy has done. Yeah. And knowing that Fassbender was in it as well, I was like, no, 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 I must have this. Yeah. And there's, there's an incredible sequence in Hunger between him and Liam Cunningham, which is one, it's, it's a chunk of dialogue that is, there's a, there's a shot where it's just them. And I guess they had to move in together to learn this because it's an 18 minute segment of just them doing this dialogue. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. So there you go. There's actually two recommendations for you. Then. Perfect. Have yourself a Steve McQueen there double you go. feature. But I really do feel, I bring up shame because I feel like it should be in the book. And Do I'm, we know if it was at one point? I don't believe so. Okay. And I'm going to say, I'm just going to ruin the, the Last Tango episode right now. I'm going to say it should go in in place of Last Tango. That's fine. When we get there, you'll just repeat it. But I will. That's fine. Yeah. Adam, what do you have for us today? So... You know when you're on Netflix and when you first kind of log in? Unfortunately, yes. Whatever whatever they're promoting kind of pops up with a trailer. And it, it just, just plays whether it just you starts, want it to or not. Exactly. So we had turned it on and this Netflix movie that I believe they – I'm assuming they just recently released popped up and we watched the trailer. And this movie is called Hold the Dark. And it's got – Jeffrey Wright is the main person in it. And I can't remember the woman's name. And uh, Alexander Skarsgård is also in it. And the the basic plot is this woman, this young mother, her son has been taken by wolves and has uh, been killed. Now, that's not really a spoiler because that's what sets the whole movie in motion. And she writes a letter to Jeffrey Wright, who is an author. He has been known to have survived wolf attacks and he knows how to track them. So she writes him a letter and basically says, will you come up to Alaska and find the wolves that killed my son? So he decides, sure, sure, I'll I'll come up and do it. And he's reluctant, but, you know, he feels bad, so he's going to do it. And this whole time, her husband, who is Alexander Skarsgård, is over in Iraq. So it's a little di- – I think it actually takes place like maybe 10 to 12 years ago in the, in the mid-2000s. And there is something going on that nobody's talking about. There's a weird wolf mask on the wall of where they live. She gets naked at one point when when Jeffrey Wright is staying and like she like lays with him. There's a there's a lot of weird ritual and paganism and symbolism going on and you don't quite know what it's building to. And the movie's so recent and there is a lot there's a some twist stuff so I don't want to give anything away. But is it kind of like a, a folky, like a cult sort of folky horror? Yes. A little bit? But, okay. but less it delve of the, into like Wicker Man territory? Not quite. Okay. Because it also ends up turning into, there's some really crazy action sequences, hmm. but it's also really sinister and and dark and gloomy. And well, you've, got, you've got me on bated breath, man. This movie sounds 
kind of good. And here's the thing. It's one of those movies where the first 95% of it is gold and you're in it. And there are moments where you're not quite sure what's going on, but it doesn't matter because you trust that this movie is taking you in a direction where you want to go. And I won't say that the end of the movie is bad, but there's a big question that the movie brings up early on that never gets answered. And I don't know if it's a deliberate, I'm left wondering what happened or if it's bad storytelling. Hmm. But either way, it's hard to not just say it's a good movie. And I, and I do recommend it because it's shot really well. Jeffrey Wright, who is always good in everything, is wonderful in this. I can't think of anything. That, even, if he's in, even if he's in a bad movie, he's, he's one of still, these people that can kind of elevate it yeah. just by being in it. Yeah, I would agree. And so anyway, it's on Netflix too. So it's, I mean, if you've got a subscription, it's easy to just go on there and click it and start it. It's dark. But but good. So I would definitely recommend it. Groovy. Well, speaking of a dark movie with some twists and turns, that leads us into the movie we're going to talk about today. It certainly does. Which is uh, the film Victoria, which came out in 2015, directed by Sebastian Shipper. Who actually started as an actor. He has a very small role in uh, The English Patient. Yes, he does. And, and he, his, his IMDb is kind of littered with... You know, yeah, he's done small a little, roles. He's, yeah, he's done a little bit of everything. He's a writer, he's a producer, he's a director. He produced uh, Tony Erdman. I know that's in the book. Ugh. It's not good, is it? Have you seen it? I haven't. Oh, man. I have I have feelings about that movie. And I'm clearly I'm clearly in the minority because I the Rotten Tomatoes is like outstanding oh, okay. for it. Anyways. You digress. Um he Sebastian Shipper also he co wrote the script. But that's a loose term because there really isn't well, a yeah, script. It's it's interesting in the fact that it doesn't. There's no uh, there's no credited writers for the actual screenplay. They're just credit, credited for the story because the script, in my understanding, was only twelve pages. Yes, um, which is interesting for a two and a half hour film. So or a two hour and twenty minute film. Before we get into even even the the stats and the accolades, before we get too far into our feelings of the movie. I'm going to give you the basic plot because it's a pretty simple plot to explain. We meet a young woman at a club named Victoria who meets four German guys and they all kind of hang out afterwards for a little bit. One of them, he kind of has a thing for her. She kind of has a thing for him. They go back to this coffee shop she works at. They chit chat. There's definitely a vibe starting between the two of them. And then one of his buddies who recently got out of prison has gotten a call and he has to go do something for somebody. One now, of the, are you are you going to say what the something is? Because I didn't know what the something was. Oh, well, we will get into it. Yeah, yeah, I've got, yeah, yeah, I think we should. Because it, it, I mean, it's it's what happens in the movie. Yeah, we're not going to have much to talk about if we don't talk about the something. Exactly. And so, but we, but she doesn't know what it is yet, which is why I was being vague about it. Now, did you not to to get us too far off track? Did you know what was coming? Not exactly. The okay. trailer is I, pretty good. I deliberately avoided the synopsis. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. So I was well, really I'd seen, on the edge of my seat. I'd seen the trailer, so I kind of knew where it was going. Okay. Anyways, so one of their friends is totally passed out beyond recognition, and they need four people. And so what we find out is that they we these people need her to be a driver for them. And she agrees to it. We find out that they're going to go rob a bank because it's what this guy who just got out of prison has to do to sort of repay his debt 
And that's the basic plot before we, like, ruin the ending of the movie. She meets these guys. She takes a shine to one of them, decides she's going to help them with this robbery. The reason I wanted to get the basic plot out early on was because the impressive thing about this movie is that it is 138 minutes long, 134 minutes of screen time, and it is all done in one consecutive shot. That is... Beyond the fact that it's a story that's very compelling, that is the cinematic feat of this movie. Technically, it's huge because you're on real Berlin streets. Yeah. What's funny about that is after the robbery, no, actually, no, not after the robbery, when they're on their way to it, she legit takes a wrong turn. Yeah. And so they had to, they had to counter back and the improv was, they were freaking out. Like, no, 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 you gotta go this way, you gotta go this way. And, you know, it made that moment even more tense because... I'm sure her as character and her as actress is just freaking out because she missed this turn. Yeah. And it's not like you can stop and do it again because that's the whole movie. Exactly. So I guess from what I was reading, they only had the money to do it three times. And the take, the the, the movie is the third take. That is the final go that they had out of it because that's all the money they had. Yep. Now there is a jump cut version. Yeah, that he so, shot as kind of insurance. He exactly. wouldn't get the money unless they shot an alternative version, which is made up. They shot it in about two weeks, and it's made up of 10-minute takes. 10-minute ten, ten takes, yes. Right. And the quote that I found uh, that Sebastian Schiffer, he said it's uh, not good, was all he would say about it. In an interview, he, he said that the jump cut version and the first two complete takes they did would never see the light of day. Yeah. Which, because the the first one, the first long take, they were too kind of they were too nervous. There was a little bit like, oh, we don't want to mess this up, so we're gonna hold some back. And they had a conversation. In the second version, they just went over the top. He was like, I can't, no, we we can't release this. You guys are gone crazy. Now, Leia Costa, who plays Victoria, she says the second take is her favorite. Oh, really? Yeah. And she, in an interview I saw, she was imploring and begging him to some someday somehow release the other versions of the movie now and we were just talking about this because of how in love with criterion we are uh and because the at least the the version that's been released on uh, home video over here in the states doesn't really have a lot of supplement or any supplemental it, it didn't ha- mine did not have any wouldn't that be wonderful to see criterion pick this up and have all all versions of it, all variant versions of it i rarely want to watch director's cuts and i i will occasionally if it's a movie that i really enjoy and i'm I'm interested in seeing the other version like what they did and what they could have done this is one i would be legitimately excited about seeing i would the love other to see all, all the other versions yeah i'd love to see even the jump cut version i would watch be- and just out of curiosity it's not even just because the, the reason that i would want to watch the other versions is because he so he had two rules he told the actors he he never wanted to see the same thing twice and he never wanted to hear the same thing twice. So it was really like the bones of a script and everything else was really improvised, which is so impressive to have this very specific storyline, you know, of what's going on ultimately leading to the bank robbery and and everything else, but that everything's being made up. I'm just so impressed by that. Yeah. It's, it's, incredible acting it is such a feat whether you like the movie or not again it's such an incredible achievement so um there are no other films by this director in the book which isn't totally surprising because he's fairly new and this one is so impressive that it it makes sense 
accolades. It was disqualified from being uh, included in Germany's shortlist of uh, submissions to the Academy because of the amount of English dialogue in it, yeah. which I feel is a real shame. That is. And I don't necessarily see why that's such a determining factor. I know. because it's, it's a German-directed, a... produced, and mostly starred in film. Yeah. And even your the the woman is is uh, is from Spain. Yeah. So I don't. It's still a foreign made film. The money that I at least that I'm aware of didn't come out of the states to yeah, make it. I don't so, think so. I mean, what's the problem? Yeah. That, that's a, that's I, a tough I gotta, one. I got to disagree with the Academy on there, but it's okay because it did clean up quite well in Germany. Yes. At the German Film Awards, uh, it won everything. Feature, directing, cinematography, score, actor and actress, and it was nominated for sound as well. Yep. And then at the Berlin International Film Festival. Prize of the Guild of German Art House Cinemas. You got the Jury Prize and Outstanding Artistic Contribution for Cinematographer. For uh, the cinematographer's name is uh, Sturla Brandeth Groven. I'm pretty sure I'm butchering the pronunciation. It's pretty good. We're name, not, we're, this podcast isn't about how well we can pronounce foreign names. It's not. But <laughs> he, he deserves to be called out by name because of the incredible job he did with what he had to do. I oh. mean, some of the lighting in there does leave a little bit to be desired. Sure. But, I mean, when you're filming in one take, you're on the streets, you're, there's only so much you can control. Yeah. you, you got to work with what you got to work with. Exactly. But and even even working around all of that, it's still... It it's, pays off in spades. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 82%, 83% um, critics, or uh, 82% critics, 83% audience. I think it should be higher. I agree. I I mean, and maybe maybe the, the percentages are low because I wonder how many people have seen it. In fact, this to me is a prime example of a movie that's in the book to inspire you to not just expand your film horizons, but also your, your the foreign film horizon. I mean, yeah. this is a movie that is gripping. And there are points where it it lags. Yeah, it takes a little bit to get going. But that's also, I think that's the world in which this is, takes place because obviously it's, it's one shot. We're seeing, we're really seeing these relationships actually yeah, no, you have to have it. You have to have that character development. Otherwise, what are we doing here? Exactly. So, Ian, did you find any uh, reviews that you uh, thought were worth mentioning? Just based upon the fact that they, they called out the implausibility of the plot, including the, the Hollywood Reporter did that as well. And I can't really disagree with them. Sure, it's a little bit implausible, but that's, that's not why I'm watching this film. I'm watching the film for the technical merits and for the performances. I mean, I do have some some conflicting thoughts about why she is so eager and so willing to go with them on this. You know what I mean? That's, so that's maybe what they're calling out there is how easily she's persuaded. And that's, I'm so glad you brought that up. I, I really am yeah. because the first, I believe I wrote it down, I think it's 40 or 40, about 40 minutes into the film is when the friend who just got out of prison gets the call. Boxer. Yes. Character's name. Uh, played by Franz Rogowski. Yep. And so we've spent the first 40 minutes of the movie really seeing... Victoria live in, in in this world and build this relationship with is it Sun or Zun? Uh, Fred, Frederick, Frederick Lau's character, right? I can't. Uh, I think they they call him the way that it's spelt. I would just call him Sun, but they I believe they say Sunny. Sunny. I I think I'm pretty sure I heard characters call him Sunny. Sure. Yeah. So we and we see this relationship build and that you know the moments when they're in the cafe and he's pretending he can play the piano and then she does and is a you know a damn prodigy on the piano that's 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 a great scene it is i I was that was the moment i because i wasn't in it 
I wasn't in the movie until that scene. I was like, I was kind of irritated by like all the overlapping dialogue and yeah, it really does. When they're, when they're on the rooftop, it's really hard to know what's being said, what's going on. Yeah. yeah. It, it doesn't seem like anything like they're being quiet because they want to wake anybody up, but there weren't really any stakes. Yeah. Nobody, I wasn't concerned about, I mean, if they get caught, okay, they got to go somewhere else. There was no, like, impending doom from them being on the roof. And there's no real, for me, there was no real emotional attachment to really any one of them, including Victoria. It was just, oh, it's a a drunk night out, and these guys are being sloppy and all over the place. And it was kind of, if I'm honest, it was kind of irritating me. Sure. Like, oh, Jesus, how much longer is this going to go on? Well, it's funny, funny, because I went from being really concerned because this is one woman and four men. Yeah, that was my thoughts. I was like, okay, so when is this thing going to get rapey? Yeah. And then, okay, okay, it got chummy. And then when I realized they kind of had her back, they were yeah. like, hey, you know, you're good. You're, you're going yeah, on us. Yeah, I, I was definitely relieved about that. I was like, okay, so that's not the route this film is going to take. Thank God. But then they, they do get on the roof. And it's, I, I there, there's about five minutes or so there where I'm like, do I care yeah. about what's going Absolutely. on? Absolutely. And then we, but then we move to the cafe where she works. And that scene just tears my heart out. And when she says, I think I'm falling in love with you, I 100% believe that. Yeah. There isn't a, there isn't a screed in me that goes, ah, they're just, just acting. I honestly believe that those two are falling in love with each other over the piano and the fact that she plays what she, the, the song she plays, the Mephisto Waltz, i.e. Dancing with the Devil. Oh, it's so perfect. That's such a great little piece of, of subtext there Yeah, to throw in about, you know, and and the the story that she tells about being in the conservatory, I, I really loved how deep that was about how you spend seven hours of your day putting everything you have into this and you want it more than anything else on it. You want this as much as you want breathing, yet you're in it as a group, but they can't succeed because if they succeed, then my dream dies. Yeah. And to see the pain on her face of having that confliction and having failed at it, do you know what I mean? That oh, was, yeah. It was just, it ripped my heart out of my chest. I felt so much for her. And as I said, when she says, when she says that she's falling in love with him, I'm, just, I'm at that point, I'm in. This movie could go anywhere, and I'm in. I'm in. Well, and the, only the briefest of tangents, I had this thought when, when that moment happened between the two, referring back to another podcast we just did, A Matter of Life and Death, this idea that came up about the review you didn't like about how could they fall in love so quickly. That's not possible. Well, there it is. It is. It abs- And maybe not... Long term, we've been together for 10 years, love, because you, obviously you need time to build that yeah. up. But we're seeing the buds of this relationship start. They are yeah. flowering, and this – obviously the way things end aren't aren't so great. But we're watching this this relationship develop. Well, that and it makes the end that much more painful. Yeah. But anyway, going back to what we were talking about with the implausibility, what I, what I wanted to say is I, I'm buying everything. They're at, they're at the cafe and she plays and they have that tender moment. And he gets the call and I buy I even buy the fact that you know his friend who just got out of jail has to go and do a favor because he was basically being taken care of while he was in prison. I buy all of it. Yeah, I feel like you're coming to a point where there's something you don't buy. I don't buy her decision. Yeah, it is it is a hard sell. And then and this this is weird because Melissa and I had this conversation. We we talked about this movie for quite a while when we were done watching it. Because so she, she makes her decision to go with them. And then, so it's like, it's like okay, cool, we've, we've moved and we're somewhere else now. And then from that point on, I buy everything to the end of the movie. Yeah. But it's that, it's it's that, that 90 seconds, right? Yes. Right in there. Yeah, yeah. Because she cannot go and still be in love with this guy. Yeah. It's a tough buy. Yeah. 
And obviously, this was the first time that we'd both seen this movie. And so... I'm curious to know if there's something I'm missing that I might see on a second viewing. That or, you know, just, you know, how do we fill in the the missing points? Because obviously, we get two hours, a little over two hours of these people's lives. You know, we do get her background at the conservatory, which is totally important and great storytelling. But yeah, you wonder what it is in her life that's getting her to go along with this. Needing that element of danger in her life, that that uncertainty. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love that how, how kind of ironic that is. The uncertainty of the situation of going with these guys and the straight-up uncertainty of having not having a script and legitimately yeah. as an actress going in the moment. So she decides to go with them. And then the rest of the movie, it's... It's all pretty intense. Yeah. No, it it they get to the they get to the garage and they meet the guy that they've got to do the job for. And that's that's intense because there's that moment where like, oh, if she doesn't if she doesn't go with you, if she's not your driver, I'm going to keep her until you come back. Yeah. And this is a great point to talk about Frederick Lau who plays Sonny cuz the look on his face when that happens, it's very very brief and because the camera pulls back again, but it's like the fact that he just he reaches out and grabs her like instinctively. Yeah, like that's that's not acting. Do you know what I mean? It's like, no, fuck, no, you're not taking her. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's it's his performance, and he got you know he got best actor for it at the German Film Awards. He absolutely deserves it. He is he is the. I'm not going to say he's an unsung hero because obviously he got the recognition for it, but sure. he certainly is a major linchpin of this film that that might be forgotten about when you're talking about a film where the central character is this Victoria character, and you're on the ride with her, and he's just. You know, maybe an accessory to that. You know what I mean? But yeah. he has to do, he has to do just as much as she does in this movie, if not a little more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he has, and we're just gonna flat out spoil it for you now. His death scene at the end. Let's just jump straight into that. Sure. What they both do in that death scene is incredible, and the fact that he's just pushing her to go, just go. You know what I mean? And yeah. Even before that, the scene that really stressed me out, and I'm sure it did you as well, because I don't have kids. Yeah. So they get to the point where, let's just... Yeah, we'll give a little we'll, more. We'll fill out a little bit more of the plot. So the robbery happens, and there is the great moment where the car dies. So, so yeah, because it's a van that they've stolen. Right. And it's been hot-wired. And she doesn't know how to get it going again. And so, so, yeah. so the great thing about this film, and we'll come back to that stressful scene. We'll, we'll get there. We've got you know, to build some context for it. So she doesn't know how to re-hotwire the car, and the great thing that the the film does is it doesn't follow them. The camera doesn't follow them into the bank. No, which I love. I very, really very, very Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, do we hear about it? We know what's going to happen. But right. We never see it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's funny. I didn't draw that comparison, but yeah, no, it actually it does really feel like a a, a a nod to Reservoir Dogs now that you mention it. But it stays with her, and it stays in the car, and the car dies. And out loud, watching the film, I went, "Oh shit." Like, I out loud went, no. And I think the reason why you did that is the same reason why I did it, which is the trope of the car not starting or dying, it's so... It's cheap. It's old and it's been used except for when there's a reason for it. Right. It's a stolen car they don't have the keys for. There's that would that would happen. Yeah, no, that's legit. And and so when it works, when it actually works in the context of the story, yeah. you're in like that's why you're in it. That's why you're like, oh no, no. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. Is this really happening right now? Like, what is going on? Yeah. Anyway, so, turns out, Boxer comes back. He he's able to re hotwire the car, and they essentially get away with it for all we know. 
and they park the van, and they end up pretty much back at the start of the movie. They're down the block from the club. Yep. And so they're on a high, and yes. they are actually high, because down in the garage with this gangster character, he's had them do a couple lines of coke. Yep. Uh, so they go back into the club and they, they party and they, they celebrate. They've got the bag of money, Boxer and uh, Blinker, uh, one of the other guys, uh, played by uh, Barack Yigit. Sorry if I mispronounced your name there. They start stripping off in the club, and so that gets them kicked out. Yep. And then they go back around to the minivan and the cops are already there. Yes. And it was this point in the movie where I went, well, I wasn't expecting a chase, a foot chase, and a shootout in this movie, but this is where we're going now. And that, it is... Oh, this is a big comparison. I'm not going to say it's it's not heat, but it feels as real as heat felt. Oh, absolutely! Wow, you're drawing some some comparisons to some big movies here, man. I know, and I, know. And I like it. I'm, no, I'm going with it. I'm okay with that. And and so yeah, they they are trying to run away. Do two so, of the guys get so Blinker? Blinker gets shot, and they're he's, on the other side of a wall, and he's like pretty much dying over there. He's and wounded, then, and then Boxer gets shot as well, and so he hands off the money. Yeah, to Sonny and Victoria, and they take off, and yeah. they end up hiding in an apartment complex. Now this is where it gets really stressful. If yes. it wasn't stressful enough already, so the police are surrounding buildings and telling everybody to stay inside, and as a man is leaving, Victoria and Sonny. Basically, at gunpoint, tell them to go back inside, let us into your apartment, because they need a second to think about what they're going to do. Right. They change their clothes, and they take this couple's infant child. Oh, no, this this is like a newborn kid. This kid is a yeah. couple months old at best. And, um, and the child's in a bassinet of some kind, and they disguise themselves, and they leave. They're saying, we're leaving because we have to get medicine. And the scene of them taking the child from the mom is... How did how did you and Melissa take? Because I'm not I'm not a parent, so, so it, it was stressful for me. So but it, I don't have that oh, connection it, of actually having a child. It was stressful, but I think where our where we differed was I'm looking at this from the characters and I go, I I see why they did it. It's about the only way they're going to get out of that the, building. Yeah, there's no other way this is going down. <laughs> Melissa was like, that mom did not try hard enough. And I can't disagree Which with that. Which is easy to say when there's not a gun in your face, I guess. Sure, but I I also think... But I don't know. I think I'm... I, I agree with the... I, not agree. I see exactly where Victoria and Sonny are coming from. It's the only way... And Victoria takes charge here. She slaps Sonny. She's like, put the clothes on. Like, she yeah, is no, like... Is, I, she is not having this shit anymore. This is where her character turns it up to 11. Yeah, oh, and, and she... Ha- I mean, at this point, they're literally... You know, if they can't get out of where they are, they're done. Yeah, that's it. And so she takes charge, and she's imploring to the mom that, that the baby's going to be fine, which, don't worry, the baby is fine. Yeah. No no child dies in this film. But. They, well, she points across the street. She's like, that cafe. That's where it's going to be. We're going to leave the child. And you can watch us. We are going to leave the child in that cafe. Yes. But M- Melissa's thing was she she didn't buy that the mom didn't try hard enough. And uh, sure, when there's a gun in your face, it's different. But. but and the guy, I the, do the dad qu- doesn't really do anything at all. No. I do question if, if the actress they got to do that part was a the mother right or not. Because I do agree with Melissa that, that it seemed... She was obviously distraught, but, like, it's the kind of point where, like, no, you, you can shoot me, but you're not taking my damn kid. Yeah. Um, I, I, I kind of agree 
that she could have tried harder. But I also, I believe what's happening in the movie. And we also need to progress the plot along. Because I, I genuinely thought, I wasn't looking at the timestamp at this point. Because I'm, you know, I'm too into the movie. I'm oh, gonna, I never. I'm not going to yeah. check the time at this point. I'm like, okay, so this is the end of the movie. This is where it ends. Yeah. It's going to be a shootout. Maybe there's going to be some collateral damage. Maybe one of the parents gets hit, you know, with a stray bullet or something like that. Yeah. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, so they end up managing, they manage to leave the child. They get into a cab and they go to a hotel. And you think, oh my god, they got away with it. They're home They're home free at this point. Only they're not, because Sonny's been shot. Yeah. And the cocaine is wearing off. Yeah. And he's starting to feel that he's been shot. And then it ends in a really... She, the, the Leia Costa, has to do so much with so little in that scene. She is just breathtaking in yeah. what she does in that death scene. Yeah. And and so is he. I mean, Frederick Lau is incredible. He, he does it with such grace. Yeah. I don't know, as you as an actor, maybe you can fill in with some more, you know, technical terminology, but... Well, you know, it's tough when you're in a show and you have to go on and off stage and there's big breaks in between your scenes. That can be tough trying to jump back into it. I believe that the, the best experiences for me as an actor have been ones in which I'm on stage a lot with no breaks and I'm forced to be in character the entire time. I've had the the opportunity a couple of times to be in plays where characters are meeting for the first time in the show and they're rehearsed in a way where I haven't actually met the person I'm going to do the show with. There's been one time where I did uh, an hour-long play and the, in the play that I did, these two characters are they're arriving at the Lincoln Memorial on the same day and they're both there because they want to assassinate the president. But for two different reasons and they don't know each other. And I rehearsed this play for a couple of weeks with different people. And when the one performance night came, it was with a woman who I had never met before. That's awesome. And so, kind of like this movie, there's a there's a script, there's a plot. I We know what's going to happen, but you don't know what the other person is going to do. And there's that moment of living in it, you know, where it feels as real as it can possibly feel. And there's... When you're in that moment, you're not acting. You're just responding truthfully to what's in front of you. Mm. And so thinking about this last scene where she's watching this guy who she has totally fallen in love with, gone through hell with, to just have seen him die. She could have done anything and the response would have been, yeah, because she's living in it. And and that's what makes it so heartbreaking is, is to see how distra- how how broken down she is because of it and i loved watching interviews with her talk about how much she loved doing it she kept saying in an interview she was doing with sebastian chipper how badly she wants him to do another movie like it so she could do it again because she loved the process yeah i mean as an actor i imagine a lot of people wish they could be that lucky in having something that visceral and that palpable you know what i mean yeah so we've we've pretty much gone through the whole movie at this point i mean we've We've run through it end to end. We've essentially spoiled it for you if you haven't seen it. But that's not to say you should you you still should see it. Exactly. Because we're not doing it justice. No, and it's one of those things where it's very impressive the one shot, but it's also just a really gripping, intense story. Yeah. Following this 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 woman who really is in a world that she's not used to, and I and there's probably an appeal to that. Now I I want to hypothesize the other side of the coin do you think the plot is strong enough 
to survive not having what some people might consider to be a technical gimmick attached to it. Could this be shot as a traditional film, you know, with close-ups and long takes and different angles and cross-cutting and all of that and still have the integrity that the story has? I do. I think... You, th- you think the, the, the story and the acting, they're strong enough to survive on their own without the technical gimmick? I do. I do. It, it, there's, that, there's the linchpin right there in the middle of the movie of her deciding to go with them that as hard as it is for me to accept that that's what she does, you kind of have to. You know, because the immediate thought was, I, it's hard for me to buy that she does it. And then, of course, she does, and then I buy everything from that point on. And I am excited to see this movie again at some point to just kind of, maybe to kind of know that's going to happen. And to know the little bit that we know about her from what she says. And to go, okay, what is driving her to say yes? Well, yeah, and now you can focus on on other things. You can focus more on character. You're not just being driven along with the plot. Now you can look at subtleties in performance yeah. and, and but I do, decision I, making. I do think that this movie, without the, the long take, would still survive on its own. I think it's a compelling story. I would be interested to know what the script turns out to be. Because... Is it, is it still the idea that we were making it up? Because it really can't be. Because if we're doing all of these different takes, dialogue's going to change if there's no script. Right. So I'm assuming that, that there would be a traditional script attached to it somewhere close to what we, we saw in right. the final product. Which is probably why Shipper called the jump cut version not good. Probably for that exact reason is what I imagine. Well, and, I'm, and I think he said that they were editing as they were shooting, as they were, like, as they were prepping for the long takes... So it probably wasn't even all that well put together. I mean, you got to do it. And I almost wonder how much of that is doing it deliberately so he could still have his way and have the long cut. Because as as we mentioned earlier, I mean, this that was the only way he could secure financing. Yeah. Is to make sure that he had insurance. Yeah. In that. So I wonder how much of that is him going, well, I'm going to give you a really, really bad version so that I can have my really, really good version. Sure. And, that's, and that makes sense. I mean, they probably... If it was filmed the way that it was described in these 10-minute 10, 10 chunks, and those 10-minute chunks are still all improvised, but the, 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 the bullet points, you know, this happens and this and this, are all still the same, it could still work. You know, I'm just, I would just be curious to know how that script comes together if it's a, tradi- if it's a yeah. traditionally shot film. And that's, and that's a much shorter film, too, because you go from having something that's 2 hours and 20 to an hour... Uh, yeah, 2 hours and 20 to an hour and 40, so you're losing, you're losing a lot of character development and and visceral punch yeah you know from having that one long take uh so i guess we can't say we can't ask each other do you have a favorite shot because it's all one shot but do you have a favorite sequence yeah i think acting wise it's the them at the piano piano that whole kind of I, i would say from the moment they're in the cafe together alone until he gets the phone call i really appreciate the the storytelling and the the it, pace and, and it is it's so good and i think the moments in which i really appreciated the the filmmaking aspect of it was probably the the shootout because it i mean well you probably weren't expecting a shootout in well that yeah that and with. you're you're just so in it i mean the way it shot anyway you're just going through these alleys and ducking behind these these dividers and it's just it's intense. Well, and you're with them the whole time. It's yeah. not like you can cut back and forth to the cops. You know, yeah. you, I, you barely see them, 
right? So you, all you're getting is just this hail of gunfire and trying to avoid it. So it, it makes it a very visceral experience. And that's the I think the great thing about the storytelling too is these aren't bad people, but they're not great people either. No, they make some really dumb choices. And you know you're you're not you don't want them to die. But it's hard for them to want to, you want you know you really want Victoria to to escape. Yeah. It'd be great if Sonny could. And at that point you're like okay, you don't want the others to die but if they get caught, okay. That's you know cuz but obviously that's not the movie that we we get. So I mean Victoria does walk away, but and I'm sure they were hoping for a a, a nice sunrise there as well cuz I know it does they make sure to include the sky in the shot, but I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't pan out. It seems like it's a very gray and cloudy day. Yeah. So Ian, I think I know the answer to this, but yes. Do you think that Victoria should be in the book? I do. I ignored your first yes because I, I, I know I you did because it was, well, it was, I was just trying to get it out there. It's, it's so important to me that I'm not even going to let you finish your sentence. Yes, this should be in the book. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And it's an experience. Unlike, Unlike most. I can't disagree with that. It truly is a unique film experience, not just in the production of it and what it was probably for the actors and the cast and the crew. But when you watch this, it's unlike anything else that you've seen. Yeah. It's a compelling story. And and so it does so much with so little. And so few films that I, I, I can think of, almost no films that's that have such a playful start. As, as this one does, and then ends so mind-bogglingly intensely. Yeah. And so heart-wrenchingly. Yeah. Well, that is a yes from both of us, and not just a yes that it should be in the book, but a yes that go see this. Yeah, find it. It's not necessarily the easiest movie to find, but rent it, stream it, whatever. It is definitely worth a watch. Yeah. Um, and watch it. And let us know what you think. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter. You can listen to us on iTunes and Google Play and Spotify. iTunes is huge. We're so thankful for the people who subscribed and have uh, rated and reviewed us. We would love more. We want that kind of uh, – we want the publicity. We want people to know that we're out there doing this. Any other plugs? No, just Criterion. Get your shit together and get this in the collection. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely a well – a well enough film it, that it yeah, deserves it, to be. I, and it needs some a great... A, they're the people that could put a great supplemental package together for this. I absolutely agree. Well, perfect. That is a yes from both of us. Um, until next time, I am Adam. And I am Ian. And we will see you next week. Next week.